You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. Today, I am sitting down with Dr. Alina Ultianu. She is the founder and president of Whole Child Pediatrics of North Texas. She is the only pediatrician in the DFW area trained through the prestigious Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine, founded by Dr. Andrew Weil. She is board certified in pediatrics, but also in integrative medicine through the American Board of Physical Specialties and the American Board of Integrative Holistic Medicine. She also has additional training in integrative psychiatry, which is why we are going the direction we're going today. She has extensive knowledge about herbs, supplements, homeopathy, aromatherapy, functional medicine, energy medicine, mind-body medicine, Ayurveda, and traditional Chinese medicine, which she practices in combination with traditional allopathic medicine. It's a beautiful blend, and that is why I am so excited to welcome Dr. Alina Oltiano to the show. Hi, Erin. I'm so glad to be here and to talk about this topic. <laughs> yeah, this is, I believe this is maybe, gosh, the fourth time you've come on. I, I It's been I don't know. You're always one of my favorites because, well, because I know you <laughs> and I feel like I can ask you things that maybe I can't ask everybody. And, and I think that you just keep it real. So I'm excited to have this conversation specifically about the mental health epidemic that we're seeing in kids of all ages, but most particularly in teens right now. Yeah. So today I would like to talk more about teenagers and what I'm seeing in my clinic and my approach to their mental health um, problems, but also preventing what we can do to prevent this issues. So I was seeing a lot of anxiety, depression, um, ADD, ADHD, even before the pandemic. But after the pandemic, uh, during and after the pandemic, it just kind of skyrocketed. And now everybody is aware that we are facing a mental health crisis, um, especially during the pandemic. Um, there, the statistics are just um, unbelievable of how many teenagers had suicidal ideation. So not just that teenage angst, but profound anxiety and depression that was leading to, to suicidal ideations and plans. And the problem, one of the problem is that um, emergency rooms, most of them are not equipped for this kind of emergencies. So it's really sad to see teenagers spending literally days waiting for a bed in um, inpatient psychiatric facility and then um, the outpatient follow-up, it's really difficult. So I'm getting a lot of patients that have been discharged from the ER, from inpatient psychiatry units that do not have a place to go for psychiatric care and for therapy. Uh, so I think it's really important that we talk about some of the causes and some of the things that parents and healthcare providers can do to prevent um, things to spiral out of control and um, get to the point where there's no other place to go than the emergency room. Absolutely, because it is frightening. And I know even adults who have been placed in some of these inpatient facilities, and they've been terrified by the situations that they've encountered and the other patients. And for a teenager, it can be so overwhelming, especially when the parents are just 
going, okay, here you go. See you later. Get better. And there's many things we can do before to prevent that from happening is what you're saying. You do believe that a lot of these extreme situations can be prevented. Yes. So one, I think it's really important for parents to be aware of the red flags. So it's it's normal to a certain extent for teenagers to want to distance themselves from the parents, to want to spend more time in their rooms or with their peers. But it's not normal for a teenager to not want to get out of um, her or his room. It's not normal to completely cut off any communication with the parents to just spend a lot of time um, texting or online on social media. It's um, not normal for them not to want to take a shower for days. Um, and uh, it's so th those are kind of the little red flags that parents can monitor and address them sooner rather than later. Um, it's also really important for um, teachers and school counselors to be aware of this low red flags. Again, it's normal to a certain extent um, age-wise for teenagers to be more grumpy or have a bad day. Um, <laughs> but it's not normal for them to always be like this, to not mm -hmm. want to participate in sports, to not want to learn new things, not um, be involved in any kind of social or school activities. So... Um, we need to keep an eye on on these kids. Um, a lot of parents um, are telling me that the kids don't want to talk to them. Mm -hmm. It's like, it doesn't matter. You need to talk to them. <laughs> so what I've noticed is that teenagers are listening, although they most of the time they do seem that they don't pay attention or they listen. <laughs> but parents do have to keep that line of communication open. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as... So one red flag could be like a child or teen who went from being involved with sports or being involved with other activities and finding, I don't know, enjoyment in life to all of a sudden having no interest. Would that be the shift to look out for? Yes. Yes. And, um, Girls sometimes have different symptoms than boys. It's not hundred percent. Um, but um, sometimes girls are more withdrawn. Again, it can happen in boys too, or boys can be more irritable. That's that's another symptom of um, depression. So it's not always withdrawal, but it can be extreme irritability, extreme defiance, um, which brings me to um, this concept of stress and how it can affect the brain. Mm -hmm. So all human beings when they're under a lot of stress, we react through fight or flight. Those are the two main responses to stress. So um, a fight looks more like physical fight, verbal fight, and flight can look more like withdrawal, defiance, um, stubbornness. Um, and we do label them in um, in day-to-day -day medical lingo, we do label it more like anxiety, depression. Um, but what I'm trying to teach parents and teenagers is that um, 
deep down, one of the root causes is stress. And um, everybody perceives and reacts to stress um, differently, but these are kind of the main categories. Um, and then if normal uh, acute stress and all of these reactions are appropriate, if, if there's a severe or life-threatening situation, but if it's becoming chronic stress, for example, the pandemic, the um, everything, the stress around anything that involves a pandemic, that is becoming a chronic toxic stress. And eventually um, the brain and the body cannot cope with it. And then we're starting to see this chronic mental health uh, symptoms, but also physical symptoms that can uh, go along with that. Yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned that being at the root and that stress can be emotional stress. It can be physiological stress. I think, you know, and I know you're going to want to get into this, but the foods that we're eating are stressful to digest. They're stressful for the body to break down and utilize as nutrients. And I mean, you can look at any kid's menu today and see what our kids and with a busy lifestyle. So you combine that, you combine the busy lifestyle we have with running through the drive-through because mom's exhausted and isn't managing her stress and isn't planning a meal because it's like, well, whatever, we'll just eat McDonald's or whatever it is. Right. Well, now you have another stress on top of the stress. So the body's going, Oh my goodness, what do I do with all of this? Right. Yes. Yeah. That, that's exactly what's happening. And one of the many reasons that we're seeing more anxiety and depression in teenagers. So they have that physiological stress of just growing up really fast. Mm. Uh, the hormones are starting to kick in. Um, they're hungry all the time. Um, they don't sleep, which is a, because they have so, so many school act, uh, activities. Uh, where they stay up on their screen time. Um, so those are kind of the physiological stressors. Um, so parents have to, st again, parents still have to help teenagers through through this um, phase and um, educate them. And it's hard because they're, again, they're pushing back. Um but we, we still have to tell teenagers to sleep. We still have to make sure that they're eating the right things. And food fights are, I'm hearing about them every single day in my practice. Mm -hmm. um, and um, part, part of it is also cultural, just because everybody's eating a cupcake for breakfast or mm -hmm. um, cupcakes are brought to school for birthday parties it doesn't mean that it's healthy but it's it's hard to be that child that doesn't eat the cupcake um but we do have to educate kids and teenagers especially um that from now on until the rest of their lives they have to be responsible of what they're putting in their bodies and um i do want to um, talk about the connection about food and gut health yeah and more about the we call it a newer science is starting to become more and more mainstream that we realize that there is this connection this gut brain connection uh, we talk more about it in integrative and functional medicine but i'm seeing it part of the mainstream medicine more and more so a lot of the 
um, processed food, uh, foods that have artificial dyes, preservatives in them. Um, I call them inflammatory foods because they do start to create a lot of inflammation. Um, and this inflammation, the smoldering inflammation is starting in the gut and then it's being translated um, in the brain. So a lot of the chronic neurodevelopmental conditions, any anywhere be, from um, anxiety, depression, ADHD, and even autism, um, we do, one of the component is the neuroinflammation. Mm. And um, what I'm seeing in my clinic is that every child is different. So and that's, especially with teenagers, it's hard to explain to them why one particular child can have a cupcake and is totally fine, but the other one has a cupcake with the red dye, and then they have a Coke with it or a Sprite, and then the next day they have a stomach ache, a headache, they don't want to get out of bed, they're moody, they're grumpy, um, they're defiant, um, and that's how the cycle starts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that you touched on the gut brain connection. And I think it is getting talked about more, which, you know, both of us are like, finally, <laughs> like this is, this has been known and, you know, ancient, um, like Chinese medicine, things like that has yeah. you known about, you know, but just now it's made it into the research. <laughs> right. And within the last probably 10 years, we've seen a lot of incredible research as it pertains to mental health. So how does, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about how the gut plays a role in supporting mental health for teens. So um, first through their diet. So I, um, I talk with every single teenagers in my clinic, but especially with teenagers who are diagnosed with anxiety, even if they're seeing a psychiatrist and they um, are taking um, medication for anxiety, um, I do want them to have a very strong foundation for their diet. So the principles that I'm using are um, considered the anti-inflammatory diet. So it starts with eliminating processed food, um, it starts eliminating um, sugary foods and beverages and introducing a lot of the foods that do support gut health and digestion. So those are um, the fiber-rich foods, uh, vegetables, um, foods rich in antioxidants, fruit, vegetables, um, but also protein. A lot of teenagers now, nowadays, they don't get enough protein. They don't get enough um, healthy uh, fats. They do get mostly carbohydrates and um, unhealthy fats. Um, but a lot of the nutrients that are important for gut health are also important for brain health. So um, I, I keep telling them you, uh, and what I'm seeing is, I do want to mention this before I go any further, is that a lot of my teenage girls, especially with anxiety, I would say 99% of them are constipated. Hmm. Um, so they always ask, how, do you, how did you know? I was like, because I... So I see it. And it's that, that inflammation is that poor diet. So anything that's good for their brain health, it, it's also good for their gut health, vice versa. That, that also brings me to the supplements that I'm using for mm -hmm. children, uh, teenagers, especially with anxiety and depression until their diet improves. Um, because 
majority of them have um, a really, really poor diet. So it's mostly highly processed food, really low in uh, vegetables, um, really low in um, foods that we call natural. So they're really high in uh, snacks, in um, um, fast foods. So the supplements that I do recommend is a multivitamin, um, an omega-3 supplement, uh, magnesium supplement. And then I do check their vitamin D levels because um, a lower level is um, correlated with depression. Um, and then to improve gut health, I do use probiotics mm -hmm. lots of times, uh, digestive enzymes sometimes, and depending on the severity of their gut symptoms and their um, um, mood um, behavior issues, um, I do recommend other supplements as well. Um, sometimes I, um, I do test, I use functional medicine tests. And we can um, go a little bit deeper into what those are. Um, but even before any testing, that's kind of like the um, diet and supplements that I recommend for optimal gut health and um, brain health for kids and teenagers. Yeah. You know, you mentioned vitamin D. And I think that from now, I'm an old millennial here talking, but I think it is so strange that kids would have low vitamin D levels because kids are supposed to be playing outside, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not happening. Kids are inside, they're on screens. And yes. do you think that that's connected to the vitamin D levels? Kids not getting that nature time, that outdoor time, even at school, they're not getting it. Yes, absolutely. It really surprised me, even in Texas, mm. where we have so many sunny days. Right. Um, Kids either don't go outside, sometimes it's really too hot, mm. um, but even in the mornings and evenings, they just don't go outside. And then they use too much sunscreen. So all the time, yeah. we sunscreen on, we don't have even five, 10 minutes without um, sunscreen. Um, but that plays a huge role. And that's one of the other reasons um, we're seeing this mental health crisis. So a lot of kids are disconnected from nature. They're, um, they don't get enough physical activity and they don't get enough physical activity outside. And they're spending way too much time on their electronics. So we can, we can talk about that topic a lot, but um, if, Technology is here to stay. I just don't want kids to use it um, to the point that it controls their brains. And that's what I'm trying to tell the kids. I'm not telling you not to watch TV ever again or not to use your phone to communicate with your friends, um, but try to use technology to learn, uh, to develop your brain, not um, have your brain hijacked by technology. Um, and whenever we take something away from kids, we have to put something else in place. If we take their technology away, let's just say we take their screen time away, we do have to give them something else to enjoy and look forward to. So that's um, physical activity, playing outside, learning an instrument, learning a foreign language, uh, volunteering. Um, I'm seeing more and more kids who just are, I would say, kind of lost. Um, they they don't have a, 
a purpose. Like they don't have something to look forward to. Like, um, so that's why I'm a big proponent of expose kids to as as many activities as possible. And then they can choose and uh, what they want to do. Do they want to play a sport? Do they want to play an instrument? Do they want to volunteer? Um, anything? Do they want to read? Um, anything that gives them a sense that there's so much more to life than a screen. Yeah. And, and even for, I will say for my own kids, something that is really motivating for them is just time with us. It's time with mom and dad outside playing a game, playing a board game, you know, like that, that's really motivating for my kids because they want to spend time with us. And for parents, it's really good for your own mental health to spend time with your kids and doing something enjoyable because we do have this almost this cultural mentality that kids are, kids are there, but they kind of get in the way of the other things that we need to do. And, you know, instead, I don't know, I, I just reframing that I think can be really helpful for parents too. like, sure. You have a ton to do. I get it. I have so much I need to be doing all the time, but stopping and playing like right now, as we are recording this, my husband is, is playing with my boys. <laughs> they're do- I don't know what they're doing. They're being really quiet um, for the purpose of this recording, but that is something that they get. So when it's his day off, they're like, we get to play with dad. Yesterday they were playing some Oh, what's it called? Soggy dog board game where it's like the dog shakes and makes everybody wet. And it's super annoying and messy. And as a mom, I'm just like about the whole game, but they love it. And mostly because they get to play with one of us. So I think just taking a pause, parents taking a pause from your schedule and creating some memories, some moments where you can have this, because I think even that it's going to build that foundation for more conversations later on when the kids are putting because they will inevitably, I mean, I've got a 19 year old inevitably there's some distance that gets created. I think it's just kind of natural, you know, (laughs) Um, but starting that foundation when they're young of creating, like you said, something to look forward to something fun, something, I'm not saying you have to completely rearrange your schedule to make every moment. Wonderful kids need to be bored too, but that enjoyment can be for the whole family and it's beneficial for everybody's mental health too. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I'm so glad that you mentioned this because it brings me to another big part of how to parent a teenager who is more prone to anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. or has anxiety and depression. So, um, I haven't seen yet a teenager who has anxiety or depression, um, who doesn't have a parent or an adult in um, her life that is not also not struggling with anxiety or depression. So um, whenever I, I ask that and I bring it up to the parents, um, some seem surprised, some don't. Um, but children are not growing up in a vacuum. They're growing up in a family. And a lot of time, there's not just the genetics, but it's how it's the it's the parents' neurochemistry. So, uh, part of the treatment plan for any child or teenager who struggles with anxiety or depression is for the parent to get better, because a lot of time when mom and dad are getting better. Uh, when they're um, applying the same principles that I mentioned for the, for the teenagers, um, the kids are getting better too. So it's uh, 
uh, neuroscience, and it's based in this concept of interpersonal neurobiology. So parents and children, they do mirror each other's um, brain chemistry. Um, so it seems selfish for a mom, for example, to um, go to the gym, um, cook her meals, um, go to therapy, um, make sure she has time for herself for some kind of uh, mind-body practice. But indirectly, it helps um, the kids. So if the parents are not changing anything for their own mental health, it's very hard for teenagers to get better or it takes longer. Yeah, I agree. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. It is really important. It does start with the parents and probably the majority of cases you would you would say, um, but it's, it's hard to say that, you know, it's hard to be like, well, parents, how are you taking care of your mental health? So I'm glad that we were saying it here. Because <laughs> I think that is very, very important. Speaking of, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the impact of mindfulness and meditation for mental health. How do we get teens on board with that? I mean, I know TikTok has all sorts of videos with breath work strategies. It's, it's interesting, the younger, especially Gen Z, I hear a lot of them talk about, yeah, oh, I saw a TikTok about that. Oh yeah, I know four, seven, eight breathing. I saw a TikTok, but how do they actually incorporate it? Yeah. So again, it starts with the parents. So the same way um, kids pick up their parents' eating habits, they do pick up their um, mind-body techniques. So if it's becoming part of um, somebody's routine, um, then kids are more likely to incorporate it. So for example, um, before bedtime, um, parents and kids can uh, take maybe two to five minutes to, it can be to say a prayer, to take a couple of deep breaths, to close their eyes and visualize the next day, um, to talk about things that they're grateful for. Um, and then if they want to take it to the next level to actually carve out time sometimes in the day or on weekends to do some formal meditation practice. Um, and there are a lot of them, but it's the same way we teach kids to brush their teeth. Uh, we have to teach them how to manage their um, mental hygiene. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what meditation and, and mindfulness can can start with, kind of introducing this concept. And um, um, I've, I've heard it somewhere, and I, I really liked it, so it's not my orig original, but we take showers before we go out of the house. So we have to kind of clean our minds from mm -hmm. yesterday's um um dust um so we we have to teach kids it doesn't come naturally um you know it can become part of the their tiktok culture but if they're not practicing they're not really experiencing the benefits of it yeah yeah absolutely and for those kids that struggle to go to sleep at night or they wake up and their brain is just on high alert this is mm -hmm. a good way to clean it all out before, before you yes. go to sleep. And that's something it took me a really long time to understand that even for myself. So it's a great one to practice for kids as young as possible, but definitely for teens to be able to get on board with that. I mean, they know, they know they're struggling. 
They know mm-hmm. they they feel stuck. I I was that teen. And it's interesting. I will add this as a quick side note before I want to talk about our book. But um, I recently, I gave a short talk at an event. This is last week. And one of my high school teachers happened to be in the audience. And she came up and talked to me and said, you know, Aaron, I never knew that you were struggling, but I do remember you often were zoned out in my class, just totally. And I, and I did, I dissociated a lot. (laughs) I mean, when I look back, I I have a pretty strong pattern of dissociation of just checking out because that was safe for me when things got overwhelming, I checked out. And so I, and I knew I was struggling, but I just didn't have the tools. And so I want to reassure parents that we have so many more tools than we used to. For most parents, all they're getting, and I know you'll echo this as well. Most parents will be getting a prescription and maybe instructions for the kids to sleep more or Mm -hmm. to slow down their schedule or something like that. But you are offering tools that we know now that we didn't have in the nineties. I mean, the tools for the mainstream have not changed and we're not seeing anybody getting better. However, we have the research for even nutritional psychiatry, mindfulness, meditation, physical exercise. And there's a recent study that showed that physical exercise was 1.5 times more effective than medication or cognitive behavioral therapy. Not saying that we don't want those everyone, you know, every situation is unique. Different people need different things, but my goodness, physical exercise. And it was even, I believe the study was done even like it wasn't intense movement. It was pretty moderate activity that made an impact on people. I hate to interrupt today's episode, but I have an important question for the listeners. What are you making for dinner tonight? Contrary to popular belief, healthy eating does not have to be complicated or boring. Children and adults can learn that food is fun, delicious, and makes us feel better even when it's not pizza. I know we all kind of like pizza too, but if you are looking for the ultimate resource to help your family eat healthier, nutrient-dense foods to fire up those neurotransmitters to improve brain health, to improve energy function, then look no further. My friend, pediatrician, Dr. Alina Oltiano and I have come up with a recipe book just for you. It's called Brain Food for the Whole Family and it is available now on Amazon. Get that recipe book and I guarantee it's going to give you some practical tips and tools that you and your kids will enjoy. It's filled with really colorful pictures and descriptions of what our bodies need to function best and my kids love it. I ran it by them first and they love it. They love learning about how foods make them feel. I will drop the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. We have so many more tools than I had in the 1990s (laughs) and that I had in the 20th century, right? They're just not being talked about. So I encourage parents, if you are feeling stuck to seek out somebody like Dr. Oltiano, who is been, who has been trained in all of these other modalities, because those are the things that are really going to make an impact. Those are the things that made a change in my mental health and just being aware that I'm not stuck. I have tools, just that gives people hope. So that's my little soapbox. Have to go on a rant about that. (laughs) Is there anything else you would add there about how things have changed now versus what used to be done and how people are still kind of receiving treatment that might be stuck in the nineties? The only thing that I want to add is that um, everybody's in a different place in life. And um, as you said, every child needs to be assessed and have an individual plan. 
But regardless if we do or not do medication, um, depending on each child's um, situation, this basic lifestyle um, changes have to be implemented to, to see an improvement over time. And I am so passionate about this topic because if we break the cycle and we teach children and adolescents these tools, we're going to have fewer adults who are going to struggle with anxiety and depression. But a lot of the chronic conditions in adulthood, they do start in childhood and in adolescence. So we can make a huge impact on um, on children's health now so they can grow up to be healthy adults. Yeah, I think that that's a really, really good point. So we have a book. <laughs> we have an amazing yes recipe book that I want to talk about because I've been hearing some incredible feedback about this recipe book. I've heard people talk about how the recipes that they've tried, it's tasted good. Their kids get on board and it is so bright and colorful that I think a lot of kids, even young kids look at it and they can pick through and go, Ooh, well, I want to try this. I want to try this. What are you hearing? Oh, so my favorite one was a eight-year-old boy um, I was flipping through the book and the first part of the book has a section of um, teaching kids why they need certain um, foods. Why mm. do they need to eat vegetables? Because they have vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. And there's a paragraph in the book that says kids who struggle to sleep, who don't learn well, who are sick often, who have anxiety, um, oftentimes they need more um, antioxidant minerals and vitamins. And this little boy was reading along with me and he said, I have all of those. <laughs> so I was like, so that's why I need more vegetables. So I was like, oh, you got Aww. it. <laughs> they get it. They know. Yeah. I, I love that. And I've used that with, with adults, even showing, um, the page that talks about the colors, the different colors and how they support different systems. And yes. that I took that from, um, Dr. Deanna, I don't know how you say your last name, Minich, Minich. I don't oh, know. Yes, I like that. Talks a lot about the different colors and how every color of vegetables and fruit, they have different phytonutrients that are so beneficial. So red is for immune health and orange is for hormone health, which I, I tell my kids that those are the messengers in your body. <laughs> um, and then, well, you'd have to get the book to find out the other colors and what they do, but it yeah. is, it is a helpful way to talk to kids. So that way they can start going, you know, oh, well, do I have a red today? Do I have a green today? Do I have an orange? And often that that's what we do in my house as well with my boys. Um, mm -hmm. And I find it fascinating. So my daughter is 19. She recently, she's never, you know, she knows I've been into nutrition for a long time. Has never asked me for advice, right? Well, just recently she's like, you know, I haven't been feeling so good lately. I think I might need, I need a detox or I need to change something up because I think it's my food. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Hmm, imagine that. It was just nice. See, they're listening. They listen. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I gave her a few ideas. Um, one being, you know, maybe not the fried food at the movie restaurant where she works, um, to maybe back down off of that. But um, yeah, it was it was just neat to hear just even my own experience with my kids. Like I am preaching this all day long to so many people and my kids can kind of drown it out and get sick of it, but they know. And I think kids intuitively, intuitively, mm -hmm. if we 
give them a little bit of information, they can start listening to what their bodies need. Yes. Yeah. And the recipes are designed to um, be easy, um, to be kid friendly in two ways. First, they, the kids can help the parents uh, making them and uh, secondly, they um, they do taste good. So you can hide a lot of the vegetables and still make it taste good. So um, yes. and it has a lot of little tricks and tips for parents on how to hide the vegetables. And if the kids are cooking is fine. I mean, they can know, but if they don't taste them, it kind of makes them a little bit more ac- accepting of um yeah of uh, certain vegetables. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, tonight we are making tacos in my house and we're using in the, in the recipe book, there's a recipe for adding in grated zucchini into your ground beef. So that way it kind of, once all the, you know, seasonings are in there, it all starts to look the same color. They don't see all the green, but I was thinking tonight, I might try to add in some cauliflower rice and see how that goes. I have not tried that one before, but I thought, I bet I could hide cauliflower rice in just as easily with the zucchini once I put in the seasonings. So we will see, and maybe I'll um, give an update on that at some point, but yeah, it's, it's just a great way to, and my kids are aware. I'll tell them, Hey, look, I'm grating this zucchini in here. And this is what we're eating. Cause otherwise my youngest one will like flip out. If something's a surprise, <laughs> like, no, what is this? You did something different. <laughs> Yes, yeah. So they can definitely know, but if they're willing to try it, they may not even taste it. So yeah, yeah. Well, you can get that book on Amazon, and that is called Brain Food for the Whole Family. I will add the link in the show notes. And Dr. Oltiano, I'm just so glad that we got to have this conversation. I think your information is so, so helpful. So for parents who are struggling to get their team the support that they need. You are a great resource. Where can parents go to find out more information about you? So it's on my website. Um, It's www.wholechildtexas.com or um, they can call the phone number 214-736-1954. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. It was very informative. Thank you, Erin. Bye. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.